Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome to Health Matters. I am your host and soon-to-be off-the-air radio health evangelist, Dr. Tony Weaver. This is quits, or at least that's what we're calling it. This is the end of an error. Which is what most people call it. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Paul Hitchcock said when we uh, walked in and told him this would be our last show. So, so what is that, Tony? How did you feel when, when he looked at you and said, well, you know, it's the end of an error? Well, <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, I, I, I'm surprised we made it this far. 17 years, 900 shows. You know I what mean, it that, is? That it's because is, we never raised our rates. I, and, uh, and I think that is a, a very much a reflection of the tolerance they have here at Public Radio <laughs> for bad programming. <laughs> you, can, you can look at it a lot of different ways. Thanks to our listeners at True Talk Internet Radio, the ones that are uh, still hanging on. Uh, and also, our final radio wave to these uh, fine folks at the MSU Ronald G. Eaglin Space Science Center. Uh, we want to, for a moment, recognize our past co-medical hosts. Uh, these are the ones that I can remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian Belterman, Dr. Greg Bausch, Dr. Kim Williams, Jess Robinson, Dr. Andy Wyatt. And hanging on, though, for the final show, uh, as always, our rock, our steady person, uh, the assistant professor from the University of Kentucky Physician Assistant Program, Shelley Irving. Hey, Shelley. Hello. And... For some, oh, I got to. And that stop. other dude. <laughs> no, I, I was. Uh, I, I said uh, I was gonna. We talked about having a final show, and so I was writing the email, and uh, the email was supposed to be uh, to tell you guys that yeah, we were gonna do one more show, and so I wrote, "Dear," and I'm gonna put, "Dear colleagues, we're gonna have one more show." And my phone, my phone, it, it, the the text substituter, it said, "Dear God." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, well, let's go with that one. That <laughs> makes more sense. But <laughs> from the University of Kentucky, dear God, uh, still with us, the Executive Director of Networking and Infrastructure, to tell you how, for at least the foreseeable future, you can still access uh, some of our Health Matters humor. Rick Phillips. Hey, Rick. Hey, Tony. And you know, uh, this will be the last time we do this, but you can find the audio. You can find lots of good things at WMKY.org. Continue to visit Moorhead State Public Radio's website. Look for Health Matters. Look for all those other good shows. Uh, find our show and listen to it over and over and over. We'll put the most recent shows up for you. Um, and there's a summary there, and you can absolutely send that link out. You can uh, sign up for the podcast, but you know what? It's probably only going to come to you once. <laughs> <It'll> only, <laughs> you won't get one past this show. So, you know, the podcast may not be such a good idea. After that, go over to Facebook. It's time to hear your comments. Facebook.com slash Show. That's a fan page. I'm not entirely sure. We haven't really kind of worked out the details how long that's going to be up. It'll probably stay up until you, some Facebook tells us you got to take this down. Um, certainly go out there. We'll stay involved. Uh, you know, it's easy for us to, to interact with that site. So certainly uh, leave us some comments. Tell us maybe some of the fun times you had with the show. Maybe tell us some of the big gaffes that you really enjoyed. Um, it's there. It's a way to interact with the show. And, it, again, you can find it all at Facebook.com slash Show. So, who's the hero on your face that saves your family? M-I-G-H-T-Y-M-A-S-K-S. What's a way to drop your risk of getting COVID-19? M-I-G-H-T-Y-M-A-S-K-S. That's right. We are talking about Mighty Masks. 
the uh, governor's recommended way to avoid COVID-19. Now, uh, we'll have, first of all, all the reasons you shouldn't wear a mask are in our second fractional abortion. I pulled those down from a uh, medical page. These are reasons advanced and uh, perpetrated by medical professionals. You get the chance to see why you shouldn't. These are the reasons why you should. This was a review, June 27th, 2020, in The Lancet, which is a very prestigious uh, British medical journal, a systematic review of masks. And they found 172 observational studies across 16 countries, six continents. Uh, apparently no studies in Antarctica. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, and no randomized controlled trials. Uh, and then there were 44 relevant comparative studies in healthcare and non-healthcare uh, settings, 25,000 and change patients. Now, the thing about observational studies that we've talked about a lot, I'm going to use one last time my example. If I observe that everybody who plays in the NBA has big shoes, that is not the same as I should buy big shoes in order to play professional basketball. Uh, that's an obvious thing. But the problem with observation is what we call confounding factors. The truth of the matter is these people are much bigger than me. They have larger feet. They buy bigger shoes. But the shoes are not why they are playing professional basketball unless you believe the shoe company stuff. Well, in the same way, we don't know why some people wear a mask and other people don't. And, and every time someone mentions that Japan China and these Asian countries have lower transmission rates than we do elsewhere, and they wear masks almost universally. Well, they do other things as well, and so these are difficult to, to sort out. But observational studies, nonetheless, um, transmission of viruses, according to this, uh, uh, this review, first of all, uh, transmission was lower with physical distancing of a meter or more. Uh, that's uh, a meter would be a little over three feet uh, compared with distances less of a meter. And, of course, we are trying to remain six feet apart. Uh, then second, now, is, that, uh, is that a meter with masks? Uh, this was they were looking at distancing and uh, eye protection and face masks. Okay, and so uh, there was that, and they figured you could drop your risk uh, by around ten percent by staying more than a meter away from people around you, uh, and also the further you got away. Uh, your risk drops about two percent per meter distance. So you know, once okay. you get, uh, you take uh, uh, two meters, four meters, uh, and so forth, you you could lower your risk substantially. And by the time you get to thirty meters, I mean, you your risk is down uh, low. <laughs> yep. Uh, face mask uh, could result in a large risk reduction of infection, uh, possibly a 14% drop, but the certainty is low because these are observational studies. There are a lot of confounding factors, but it looked good. It's just that the certainty was low. Um, the uh, stronger associations with the N95 mask, these are a very tight weave. They're a very uncomfortable mask, but they, they do uh, they create a tighter seal around your mouth. Uh, the disposable surgical masks, those are the ones with the loops for your ears. Um, it was, uh, once again, a low certainty uh, and uh, less strong association. Eye protection, also associated with less infection. Uh, your risk reduction around 10% for eye protection. Uh, and, and this was in healthcare settings uh, mostly. So, once again, the certainty on this is, is low. So, those are face shields, not like glasses, right? Uh, that would be either face shields or goggles. Yeah, okay. it would be uh, uh, more than uh, uh, wearing just a, a pair of uh, shades or uh, glasses or something like that. Uh, and that's the science. That's it. That's what we know as of uh, July, I'm sorry, June 27th. Um, uh, published, uh, actually, they, they, uh, they, they uh, wrote it up in June 1st. And so you can see we don't have these randomized controlled trials. There is a degree of uncertainty about the science of masks, and, and you've got to acknowledge that. 
it's one of the reasons why early on some experts were saying, well, let's, you know, let's save the mask for our healthcare people because, you know, they had no idea we'd be making so many masks or that we had the possibility of widespread mask use. Now we're starting to come around a little bit on it. As a matter of fact, there was an article in the Journal of General Internal Medicine that possibly masks might not just help the people around you. They might actually help you. Well, what, what do you think is going to happen this fall or this winter if we're still wearing, hopefully, we're still wearing masks and maybe this eye, eye protection and, and whatever during flu season? Do you think we're going to see a lot less flu? You know, I believe that we are. I really believe that we are. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it makes sense that you would. I mean, it's a similar transmission, you know, right? right. But if, if you, you know, once again, we can't prove that they're effective, uh, Rick. That, that I've got to say that. We can't prove it. But I think there comes a point where you have to take action. When you see people dying of a pandemic, when you see hospitals. And by the way, my daughter uh, is uh, works in a, uh, a, in a high-volume university hospital in Birmingham, Alabama. They are swamped. They are overrun. Do, do not under any circumstances, think that this is some kind of a myth. They are, they, they are, they are worn out, uh, to be honest. We'll talk more about masks in our second fractional portion. That is our sponsor, M-I-G-G. G. You look better with a mask. H-T-Y. Why? Because you could die. M-A-S-K-S. And moving on to Corona Dogs. Yeah, and we you knew, you know, in the second fractional portion, we may actually get that right. <laughs> I, I messed it up. I, I apologize okay. to Shelly. Anyway, we, we, we have more what opportunities. We, we tried again. Shelly, I think we should just bow out on the, the, the letters and let we him could. do that. You know, we, that way he... I, you know, I yeah, love to could. sing, you know that. All right, but... You know, uh, and how many times in 17 years have you sung on this show? Countless times. I mean, countless. And as a matter of fact... You've won you, awards for your singing. <laughs> No, no, not my singing. My com- my composing abilities. Uh, we did uh, under the cecum and uh, oops, your colon's fragile. It gets di- it gets diverticulosis. Yeah, no, but you did but sing. I, some I wrote of the it. songs, but I did not sing them. That's uh, Asa Hasoda and uh, yeah, good friends, point. I uh, did the the actual music, but I did sing the ballad of um, Davy that, Jones. No, no, that oh. lawyer. <laughs> Uh, from Eastern Kentucky that got oh, caught in... Uh, yeah. Oh, the one that went on the run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you did. Uh, anyway, <laughs> try, try, to, try to keep on track No, here. it's our last show. I can do whatever I want. You, you can't fire me. You knew, absolutely, <laughs> as soon as, as we started talking about COVID testing, that the, that someone would bring out, bring out the, uh, the sniffer dogs. Uh, this is uh, from... Uh, well, I found it, WebMD. Uh, after some training, they may be able to sniff it out. This was the Journal of uh, the uh, of uh, Infectious Disease, the Journal BMC Infectious Diseases. Eight dogs, part of the German Armed Forces, trained for a week to detect the virus in samples of saliva. They were given more than a thousand infected and non-infected samples. They were able to pick out 94% of cases. They correctly identified 157 positive samples, 792 negative samples, missed 30 positives, and gave false positives for 33. So. We now know that uh, it is possible to have COVID uh, sniffing dogs. Uh, the rats will come next, uh, and uh, they they will you know as we've talked before, uh, they they never it never works, but they, it's always possible. There are all sorts of uh, things that uh, so, dogs so are, can sniff. Are, out can the dog smell you with a mask on? I th- yeah, I I, 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 I don't. Who's wearing the mask, me or the dog? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just saying. And, and am I going through the airport? Are they going to say, "Hey, could well, you please I, breathe on my dog"? Now, here's the thing. Think about this. If you go through the airport and this dog barks, are they going to put the dog up at my You're out level? of line. You're quarantined for uh, at least ten days, maybe a couple of weeks. And really, it's because the guy behind me's got a cat. Well, and- <laughs> 
you see my point. I, I have a problem with the dog test. Uh, I, I've always had, I mean, everybody says, yeah, you can do this, but I, I always have a problem with the dog test because I just don't want a dog to determine whether or not I make my flight or I take my trip or whatever I'm doing. Now, I'll tell you, I'm not flying anytime soon. But uh, uh, this is those dogs. They're obviously they're not going to be uh, going around patrolling the nursing homes and uh, all that. You know, they're they're here at, at public points uh, to figure out which one of us should not be allowed to do whatever it is we're about to do. And uh, I I don't want to put a dog in charge of that. I'm 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 an anti dog test guy. <laughs> You're an anti dog test guy. Yep. Hmm. All right. Forty one seconds. The uh, CDC updated its guidelines July twenty fourth. Uh, new recommendations. You can leave isolation after having COVID-19 when you meet the following criteria. It's been 10 days since you started, not 14, 10. You haven't had a fever for at least 24 hours, and your symptoms have improved. If you never had symptoms but you tested positive, you can end isolation 10 days after the positive test. We've been using 14. This is kind of a big deal. The CDC put that out uh, July 24th, and I want to make sure our fans— Now, still, I mean, if, if the governor says 14, you do 14— but I want you to be aware the CDC has dropped it to 10 days uh, since symptoms started and no fever for 24 hours. We're going to take a break. Come back with our second fractional portion. You're listening to Health Matters on Moorhead State Public Radio. Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome back. This is the second fractional portion of Health Matters. I'm Rick Phillips. I'm Shelley Irving. I'm Dr. Tony Weaver and this is Quits, or at least that's what we're calling it. And we've uh, subtitled it, uh, thanks to Paul Hitchcock, The End of an Error. Uh, we are, in fact, uh, closing down the show and this will be our final show. Our Look at sponsor- you getting all sad. Well, there's the big, you know, I turn in my Radio Health Evangelist t-shirt and Paul sets fire to it and hands it back to me. We all eat Captain Crunch. It's a big deal, you know, but uh, uh, that'll be later on. And that's that's when I really get it. Well, you know, hey, look at it this way. We could be like one of those big rock bands. We can have a reunion tour. (laughs) Yeah. Right? I mean, there's no reason we can't have a reunion tour. The horror continues. (laughs) The error. The the, error returns. Yeah. The return of return the error. Of an error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, who's the hero on your face that saves your family? M-I-G-H-T-Y-M-A-S-K-S. What's a way to drop your risk of getting COVID-19? M-I-G-H-T-Y-M-A-S-K-S. That's right. We are continuing our discussion of Mighty Mass. Uh, the governor's recommended, and uh, I mean, not just the governor, but uh, the CDC so- now recommended uh, method of uh, reducing your uh, chances of transmitting so, or getting. So before you get all serious, Tony. Yep. How old do you have to be to know what we just sang? <laughs> I want to know. Do you well, honestly I, I, think anybody under the age of thirty understands what we just did? Do you think anybody under the age of thirty listens to us? <laughs> Oh, that's not the question. Boy, I know. Listen, we're, we're beaming it for the senior citizens. I mean, we they could be in the backseat of the car that with well, grandma and grandpa. You know, the thing is, Nickelodeon changed a lot of things. Now, I, I, that show went off the air in the 60s. Uh, but uh, I'm uh, just curious if anybody yeah. knows what that where that uh, came from. Well, I did not have to teach the song to the, <laughs> the casting crew. <laughs> no, I was going to you that. No, Everybody just spontaneously knew it. Mm-hmm. Back to Mighty Masks. Uh, the uh, staff at the uh, Stanford Anesthesia Informatics uh, and Media Lab, they looked at masks. 
and they said uh, just a couple of things. Uh, uh, res- first of all, according to NPR, University of Re- uh, Washington researchers uh, estimated that if 95% of people wore a cloth mask in public, it could reduce transmission by 30%. Not 95% of people wearing it drops transmission by 30%. This is not a solution to a pandemic. I mean, if it was a solution to a pandemic, then oh, we'd, we'd be finished. But it is one of the tools we have to keep things under control. Do they protect the wearer? Well, again, the new paper, and we mentioned it last time, uh, three physicians from uh, California, San Francisco, uh, Johns Hopkins, and Bloomberg School of Public Health, uh, published in the Journal of General Internal Medicine, and this will come out actually next month, uh, wearing a mask may reduce the amount of virus, uh, may re- reduce the viral load, which could be a big deal. So, so let me ask you a question about masks. This is a good, I mean, this is one of those, we don't have water cooler conversations much anymore because there's, you know, you're not, nobody's at the water cooler. But so obviously the quality of the cloth, uh, you know, there, when you look at a, a particular mask, you can say, okay, an N95, and we know that has hard specs to it. It allows so much airflow with the molecule size, you know, can, that can get through it. We, we know that. But cloth is cloth. Cloth could be corduroy. It could be this. It could be that. And it's got such a variability in, in its uh, width and the ability to prevent molecules from passing through. How are we ever going to be doing any kind of reasonable research in that area? It's tough. Uh, the guys at Stanford, and I'm glad you brought it up. That's my very next point. Masks are most effective at keeping the wearer from infecting others when they have three layers. A water-resistant outer layer, cotton-polyester mix an inner layer of polypropylene, uh, and then uh, an absorbent, uh, I'm sorry, a middle layer of uh, polypropylene, and then a 100% cotton inner layer that absorbs uh, moisture, basically. Uh, that's what they recommend. A good way, if you're just, you know, so you can look at the, the way that they're made up. The, the three layers are certainly better than a single layer. The other thing is, if you hold a mask up and you can see light through it, don't buy it. So, Tony, you know, I'm going to tell you something. You know... Back when speakers were a thing and you had speakers in your house and you put these, you know, reasonably good sized speakers in somewhere. Yeah. Do you know what they were made out of? Polypropylene. The sh- the actual shell of the or the actual speaker material, a really good the speaker. Thing that moved back and forth. The thing that moved back and forth and vibrated, yeah. moved the air to make the bass sounds or the, the mid range sounds. Some of the better speakers back in the eighties and nineties were made out of polypropylene. You're telling me I gotta wear an old speaker on my face. Yep. Uh, wear a speaker over your speaker. Makes sense to me. Um, consumers should no be wonder s- it's the end of an error. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you, go. you brought it up. Uh, <laughs> consumers should be skeptical of claims that mass made with zinc or copper. Uh, they have antibacterial properties. This is not a bacterium. It's a virus. Uh, that doesn't seem to help. Uh, single-use medical masks. Uh, the World Health Organization recommends uh, that for people who have symptoms or those caring for people uh, who have symptoms, healthier workers, and so forth. Here's, here's the thing, though. This is great piece of information. Get a pencil. This is big. Uh, the Stanford people recommend adding an electrical charge to your cloth mask by rubbing it with a plastic or rubber glove for about 30 seconds. You could do it with a balloon. That static electricity will stay all day, and it, that electrical charge actually uh, makes that mask uh, more uh, difficult for a virus to penetrate. Interesting. I'm going to yes. wear a static, a char, electrically charged mask. I'm not Batman. I love you it. You could be. You, and yeah. you could certainly rub your mask with a balloon. Uh, you know, you can you imagine seeing people walking before. down the road with a balloon rubbing their face in between shows? We've 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 done all that. But you couldn't rub somebody else's balloon because that would then you know make problems. Yeah, you can't use You'd your have to balloon have your own to rub balloon. somebody else's mask. Right. That's not going to work. No. Nope. <laughs> 
No balloon sharing, Tony. Pro- All right. Proper. Wash your mask every day. Uh, remove it by the ear straps. Uh, don't touch the uh, mouth part. Uh, they recommend putting it in a sealable bag, which I don't, but I do put it out of the way, certainly not to buy my food. Um, and uh, then uh, in terms of when to wear a mask, uh, less likely in outdoor areas, uh, we always, when we go indoors, wear it. If I'm in a crowded place outdoors and I don't feel like I can keep a I, – I, I, six feet to me is too close. Do, do you I, believe – can't take a, keep a 10-foot distance, I will put on a mask. Do you believe that wearing a, a good mask that's doing a good job of preventing, you know, molecules from – certain size molecules from get through, are we actually going to cause ourselves to take on a higher CO2 level? No. Uh, this was, uh, again, from the Stanford people. Uh, I wear a mask every day uh, because he is an anesthesiologist. I have for my entire life. Set my entire career, hundreds of thousands of people, doctors, dentists, and uh, they. Do we research they, that though? Yeah. So we know. Well, I mean, yes, there is no doctors and dentists do not have a higher rate of respiratory problems. Now, if you have severe emphysema, uh, and your breathing is is not, you're on oxygen, you're barely able to breathe. This could be a problem. If you have an asthma attack, that could be a problem. But uh, the average person will not have a problem wearing a mask, doing average things. So what what do you do when you, I mean, do you, does that mean people that, that say, for instance, are out working out or running or, or they shouldn't shouldn't wear a mask? In my opinion, if uh, unless you are running in a crowd, I mean, I, I, if you can maintain, a, I'm, I'm going a 10 or 15 foot distance uh, and you're outdoors where the virus would be carried away by the breeze, uh, I think you're safe. So you this think is probably the, an indoor running track is probably done for a while? Oh, I, I would tell you right now, you know, you look at, and this is an important point in my mind, we've not looked so much at air quality. You know, we talk about physical distancing like that thing's going to pew, and it's going to, you know, just go out and then just fall to the floor. The truth of the matter is that doesn't seem to be the way it works. Circulates We're still in the air. trying to understand how it works. It may not be wafting around in the air and go to every corner, but it certainly goes downwind. We've seen that happen time after time. So places where people are speaking loudly, singing, uh, working out. Fans, um, heavy fans. Yeah, you, you, need, you need air movement. Uh, you need air turnover. And so one of the things you can do to protect yourself and your coworkers if you have to go into the office is crank the AC uh, or open a window or do both and try to move the air in the building uh, and, and flush it out. You do not want to be around stagnant, stale air. You have to wonder if people are, if we're going to move, you know, if, if this is powerful enough to get us to move to, you know, changing the way we build systems where they're all more or less negative pressure, right? So they're always yep. taking in. Uh, room air and taking it to the outside and then taking fresh air in and they're always moving air because you know a home today typically doesn't have that that's right the, the only way you get new air in is through the cracks in the doors and the and most of our the, the systems we have we generally tend to try to conserve energy by keeping them set at the lowest setting that uh, provides right. a comfortable environment we have to change our thinking at least temporarily and so we've we've got to move up the other thing is you can use HEPA filter uh, those are those may be helpful again not proven but uh, uh, so so something like a ceiling fan that just recirculates may not be the greatest idea. Well, you want to get that air out. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the and these are these are all theoretical. Understand, there's not uh, hard science behind this. But the the idea that the virus floats up is great. When you got something blowing it back down, that may be the wrong way to go. So you bring in fresh air, you turn the air over, but you don't necessarily uh, create uh, air currents within stagnant air. That's right. Not That's what I'm saying. Right if, if, you, if, if you're not getting the air out of the house, moving it through a fan is. Probably not the greatest idea. That's, yeah. that's absolutely right. So, M-I-G. Gee, you look better with a mask. 
H-T-Y. Why? Because you could die. M-A-S-K-S. Mighty Mass, that is our sponsor for our final show. I'm going to breeze through these top ten reasons not to wear a mask uh, with minimal commentary because we've got a lot of other things and we're running out of that time. Was, Shelley, that was, Shelly, that was you guys up. be quiet. Yeah, he just told us to shut <laughs> no, up. No, I, I, I will say. All right, these were uh, from medical professionals responding to a request for everyone to wear a mask. These were the reasons why medical professionals felt they shouldn't. Uh, reason number one, Dr. Anthony Fauci and the World Health Organization in March said that wearing a mask in general public shows no benefit. Then they suggested everyone wear a mask, but there was no medical study published in any prestigious medical journal. And I just read you the best medical study, which was a summary of observational studies that had low certainty. So why did Fauci flip-flop? I, this, was, this was a very unfortunate thing. Uh, he thought that he would be saving masks for healthcare workers who desperately needed them, and instead, uh, this has been a cornerstone of people who don't wear masks. Uh, reason number two, my problem. I protect myself. If I drive a car, I'll wear the safety belt if, uh, if I want to. It's up to me. Problem? It's not just you who suffer from the pandemic. We're not allowed to talk, Tony. I'm, I know. It's, yeah, the silence here is just disturbing. Yeah, you told Reason us number three, uh, the routinely used masks uh, at best decrease transmission by up to 75%. They don't prevent the transmission. Uh, you should really protect yourself and your at-risk close ones by real protection, not false protection that other people are wearing a mask. Now, if we could get this uh, transmission down by 75%, I consider that real protection. Seat belts do not confer immortality but they do protect you from some car crashes. Same with airbags. That, that, that is, that's using the math in the wrong way. This one was repeated time and time again. 1.5 million healthcare workers have been infected with COVID. They have all been masking from the outset. If masks are so great, why did these 1.5 million healthcare workers get COVID-19? Why are they dying? It doesn't prevent it. It reduces it. It reduces it. Uh, these guys, uh, there's several reasons. One, they couldn't get the equipment, but they said even uh, healthcare workers have a higher rate, even uh, uh, those who are wearing protective equipment. Uh, and I, knowing the experience of my colleagues uh, and, uh, again, my daughter, uh, they are waiting in virus. Uh, this is not what any of us would want to do. Uh, I, I, um, I recognize, as Rick said, they're not 100% perfect, but my goodness, uh, um, healthcare workers, uh, 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 none of them, uh, you, you ask them, and, and uh, the people that are in the ICU have no intention of uh, walking in without masks. The virus has a diameter of 120 nanometers. The mask must be airtight. There can be no chimney effect around the eyes. The best masks have a 300 nanometer weave, uh, So, and those are reserved for frontline healthcare workers. This mask will just pour through it like a sieve. Well, but the sieve will slow it down. Yeah. And uh, if, especially if we rub it with a balloon, which is now Apparently. my favorite thing to do is rub my mask with a balloon. Uh, well, I'm going to start doing that now. <laughs> I mean, this, I mean this, this is a dead serious recommendation. Right. It is not a, uh, we're not uh, making a joke there. No, I mean, and, and beyond the normal breathing, I mean, there's still occasionally a humans have to cough, humans <laughs> have to sneeze. You, that's part of the body's normal functions. And so, you know, the mask is going to prevent a lot of that from, yeah. from, from really causing some serious spread. Viruses are not fluids. Uh, no, that is, you know, some of them will be trapped on the mask. Uh, and if we can cut down the counts, I think that's a good thing. Right. Number six, statistically, individuals 65 and under have a greater chance of dying in a car accident on their way to work than dying from the coronavirus. If you're carefully weighing the health risks, then you must be walking to work, uh, not wearing a mask. You know what the irony of that is? 
is those stats probably don't hold through the COVID era because nobody's driving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's probably safer now to drive or or to walk for that matter. I think, uh, but again, it's not like we uh, we're not allowed to do two safety things. We can walk to work and wear a mask. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it is great to to look at other risks. But uh, this this is and and when people talk about, well, this is just a, well, that's a, the mask will increase the amount of carbon dioxide I breathe and make me sick. No, it won't. Viruses will stick to the mask. This is an interesting idea. What if I wear this mask all day, viruses stick to it, and then I'm basically breathing viruses? Um, kind of hard to figure out how you would be breathing more viruses with a, a mask over your face than without one. If the viruses are coming from the inside, then you're already sick. Uh, and, and you, you, I, I, that one was tough, but, uh, that's one of the, the ones they mentioned. Well, if it got on the front of your mask, the odds are it was going to get in your mouth anyway. I mean, yeah. And so if it's it, on the inside, it's already in your mouth. And so exactly it's, that's a tough one. Uh, I think the mass zealots should stay at home if they don't want to do hand hygiene and social distancing instead of forcing their beliefs on others. Uh, anyway, number 10. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, I just don't know what to say. In countries like the U.S., U.K., and also Sweden, overall mortality since the beginning years in the range of a strong influenza season. In countries like Germany and Switzerland, it's in the range of a mild influenza season. Why all of a sudden should everybody be wearing a mask? That is that is simply not true. We don't bring in refrigerated trucks to handle the bodies in influenza season. We do not build auxiliary hospitals in influenza season. Uh, I can tell you, I have never in my lifetime seen anything, including some pretty bad influenza seasons, that even remotely approaches this. Uh, I, I hope our radio fans will take it seriously. Now, realize you cannot argue with someone and present facts. That That's not the way this works. Uh, these are deeply held beliefs. Uh, and there is room. I, I don't. It is not proven that masks help. But boy, um, the countries that wear masks seem to be doing a lot better job than the countries who don't. But it just—I mean—it seems to me that if you look at observationally, you look at everything, wear a mask, keep distant, and live in a rural community, and you—you you know, hey, in America, you got a, the best odds you're going to have. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, absolutely. you know, if you if you start going hanging out in a big urban area and you're not wearing a mask, and I mean, you know, you're you're just you're just asking. No doubt. All right, we're going to change, and we're going to do some happy stuff. Happy stuff. Well, yeah, okay. you did say this was going to be a happy, a happy show. show. Right. Yeah. And, well, but you know what it turns dodge. out? turns out this show is going to be happier for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this was a study from Nationwide Children's Hospital reported July 27th. Antibiotics alone successfully treated uncomplicated appendicitis in children. This is revolutionary, in my opinion. They've been working on this for a while. They did 1,000 patients, 10 health centers, 67% initially elected to manage their care through antibiotics alone. Now, these were people who had uh, a CAT scan, and it showed an inflamed appendix. They had pain in the right lower quadrant. Uh, they had uh, These were children, uh, less than age 17. They were generally healthy. They had, a, you know, they selected them carefully. But in that carefully selected group, they treated them through antibiotics, or they went ahead and had their appendix taken out like uh, we always have done. And they followed them for a year. Uh, in the people who took the antibiotics, they had 6.6 disability days average, that is days when they, they couldn't get up and uh, do uh, their usual activities, versus 10.9 if they had surgery. And after one year, uh, they, uh, uh, they did not uh, uh, see any recurrence of the appendicitis in the antibiotic-treated children. Uh, similar rates of complicated appendicitis, uh, similar health care satisfaction at 30 days, similar quality of life at one year. 
So, you know, this is we're still working through the research on this, but it looks very much like at least for healthy children uh, that you don't have to have an appendectomy uh, if you have not ruptured your appendix. A ruptured appendix, all bets are off, got to go to the OR. How long is it going to take for uh, humans to agree? I mean, to get it. I mean, because right now you get appendicitis, you get your appendix out. I mean, that's just, right. that's like yeah. the given. And <clears throat> and when you're talking about my children, I'm not going to want to try some new thing. No. How long is it going to take for this to take? It, it's going to be a while. And in the same way, if I'm treating a child, I am not anxious to, 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 to read, do the, the next thing that I've read in the journals. I need to see this and, and have it proven in a wide range of people. This will take a while, but I think this is something that our radio fans should keep an eye on. Meanwhile, you should keep an eye on the refrigerator. <laughs> it's time to take a break, and we will do so too. Stay tuned for our third and final fractional portion. Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org. Welcome back. Here, this is the final, final third fractional portion of Health Matters. I'm Rick Phillips. I'm Michelle Irving. I'm Dr. Tony Weaver. And this is quits, or at least that's what we're calling it, or as Paul Hitchcock refers to it, the end of an error. No, and how would you like to be the guy who made the decision on a 17-year error? <laughs> yeah. How does Paul still yeah. have a job? Well, I think eventually you swat that fly. I mean, you know, you just <laughs> you don't just I mean, let it crawl all over your But what's funny eyeball. is, is they, they, you know, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to say it. All right, so... <laughs> Because we actually we have a very limited amount of time this fractional portion. Yep, and there's a lot to get to. M I G H T Y M A S K S. Who's the hero on your face that saves your family? M I G H T Y M A S K S. What's the way to drop your risk of getting COVID nineteen? M I G H T Y M A S K S. That's right. For the last time, Mighty Mask. And just a very few quick comments from the Stanford uh, Anesthesia, Informatics, and Media Lab uh, and the staff there. Uh, masks work by uh, trapping droplets that come from a person's mouth when they call for sneeze. If they're infected, uh, these droplets can spread the virus to other people. So you are doing something nice for other people. It is possible uh, that uh, if uh, that the mask may protect you. That's uh, We are thinking that is a possibility, certainly uh, we know that uh, countries with high rates of mask usage have uh, lower rates of COVID-19. Researchers at University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation said if 95% of people wore a cloth mask in public, it would reduce transmission by 30%. Uh, so even without the best mask, even without everybody wearing them, we can reduce transmission down substantially. Uh, do they protect the wearer? There is one study that indicates that they might reduce the viral load, might keep you out of the ICU. This is still uncertain. Uh, what type of mask to wear? Generally, multi-layer masks are better than single layer, and uh, the absorbent inner layer, 100% cotton. The others are going to have uh, polypropylene uh, on the, uh, uh, let's see, cotton polyester mix on the outside, polypropylene perhaps in the center, uh, or uh, a replaceable filter in the center. Uh, and if you can see light through the uh, fabric, if you can see gaps in the fabric, it is simply too loose. A bandana, too thin. Uh, to provide much protection. Zinc or copper, don't matter, but uh, if you rub the mask with a plastic or rubber glove for 30 seconds, 
you build up static electricity. That charge can make that mask a lot more effective. Wash your mask every day. Wear a mask. Uh, according to uh, this was uh, uh, CDC, uh, wear a mask when you're in the public setting and around people who do not live in your household, especially when it is difficult to maintain a distance of six feet. We were actually out hiking, and we went through. Uh, there's a famous place uh, over uh, in Red River Gorge Natural Bridge uh, called Fat Man's Misery, and we put on our mask because that you cannot maintain a distance in a very tight uh, rock formation like that. And no evidence, uh, and Rick reminded me to uh, mention this, no evidence that uh, carbon dioxide buildup from the mask makes you sick or that extra viruses make you sick or that anything makes you sick. If you have difficulty breathing uh, on a normal basis and you're wearing oxygen, mask may be difficult uh, for you to wear. And please have sympathy for those people that uh, that do that. But if you can breathe normally, masks are not going to make you ill. M-I-G. Gee, you look better with a mask. H-T-Y. Why? Because you could die. M-A-S-K-S. Mighty Masks, for the last time, our sponsor. Uh, this one, uh, Shelly, I, I offered Shelly to, to uh, kind of opt out on this, but she wanted to talk about it. This is from uh, Andrew uh, Connitz. He's professor and associate chairman, Department of OBGYN at the University of Florida. And he says, it is time to stop pressuring women on screening mammography. At least he questions whether it is. Um, in the June issue of the AMA Journal, Australian investigators assessed the relative impacts of screening on breast cancer mortality using data from 1986 through 2013. Now, if screening is effective, we pick up the breast cancer when it's early. We have more early-stage tumors. But we also have fewer late-stage or advanced tumors because we pick them up early. That's the way we know that the screening is effective. The investigators looked at 75,000 women with invasive, uh, with invasive breast cancer, um, and uh, they have what's called adjuvant therapy. Women aged 50 to 69 offered to every two-year screening, and they used tamoxifen and different types of chemotherapy to lower their risk. Uh, during this time, the mortality of breast cancer declined substantially. But the incidence, the, the onset of advanced breast cancer doubled while they were screening. Sounds like the screening might not be so great after all. Right. At picking up, I mean, if you see more advanced cancer, then your screens are not picking up before it becomes advanced. Uh, they assert that the increased incidence of advanced cancer means that screening mammography is not responsible for the declining breast cancer mortality. All of the decline can be attributed to the fact that we have better chemotherapy and better ways of preventing the uh, tumors from recurring. Now, this is what uh, Dr. Conant says. He says, although some will review the findings and recommendations of these Australian authors with skepticism or hostility, I find it's good news. We have improved the treatment of breast cancer so dramatically it's become difficult to identify the benefits of finding early tumors with screening. Now, you know, the reason I put this on is not to say it's time to stop screening for breast cancer. But I think there are two things we can say. One, if you are not screening for breast cancer because you are worried about the COVID virus, I don't want you to feel like that you are uh, sure to die of breast cancer. Well, I can't predict what you're going to die of, but I do not think that if you delay breast cancer screening at a time of COVID, uh, that that is certain death. No, and I had my screening this year during COVID, during the pandemic, and I it was safe. I felt, you know, I didn't, I wasn't at all nervous or um, questioned the procedures and the, and the protocol that was put in place. The second thing, and I, I, this is important and relates back to our talk about masks. 
Um, the fact that we right now are not able to identify uh, a benefit of screening is not the same as saying there is no benefit of screening. At present, I, I still recommend that women get screened at least every two years between ages uh, 50 and 65. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree as well. Um, but I think it is great news that, that the mortality has gone down. I mean, the treatments yeah. are working. Change that. That's 50 and 75 in, uh, in the U.S. Yeah, 50 and 75. Yeah. yeah, so 50 and, and uh, 75. Uh, every two years, uh, the mortality is dropping. And uh, the problem with masks, the problem with breast cancer screening is you can't do a randomized trial. We cannot ask half of the people flipping a coin uh, to take off their mask and wade into society uh, without any protection. It would be unethical. We cannot ask women to simply stop screening uh, and then see how things turn out. It may be that the chemotherapy is so good now that the screening doesn't uh, have as big of an impact, but we can't do those randomized trials. It's the best science, but human beings are not guinea pigs, uh, and uh, neither one of those will happen. We will not have a randomized trial of masks, ever. And so we have to deal with imperfect data, which is what don't we, we do have all a time. randomized trial of masks right now? <laughs> <laughs> with it, but you know, once again, not randomized. We do have a trial yeah. of masks, certainly. But not randomized because uh, there are other things, other reasons why some people won't wear a mask and some people will, and, and we cannot account for those things. So it will always, there will always be that question, I think. Yeah. Final thing, uh, scientifically, uh, the associations with the egg consumption and risk of cardiovascular disease. Got to get this Is out. Is this not the best thing to put on the air for Health Matters to end? Absolutely. 25 studies, mean follow-up of 12 years. They are observational. They're prospective studies, but they're observational. A total of a million and a half people uh, observed compared to consumption of no eggs or one egg a day, higher egg consumption, more than one a day, was not associated with an increase of cardiovascular disease events. As a matter of fact, the highest egg consumption was associated with a decrease in risk of coronary artery disease. Once again, the uh, uh, And this is one I think I, I have personally acted on. I have uh, gotten over restricting my consumption of eggs because I don't think the data holds on that. But in all these things, we took action, whether it was to limit eggs, uh, to recommend screening mammograms, and to recommend masks with limited data. And time will tell whether that was the right decision or not. But you cannot second-guess that decision. In so what opinion, you're saying is it's okay to go out and have an omelet. Just be careful what you put in it. <laughs> Right? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I and have... And it can be a three or a four egg omelet. It's okay as long as you don't load it with bacon. I have cheese, eggs for breakfast bacon. more than once a week. You know? I, I, I love eggs. Yeah. And uh, I, I, and I, I think uh, I didn't for a while. I, I swore off eggs. So, so what you're basically... We've just basically told everybody is if you go out and order a big old hamburger, big cheeseburger, and you put an egg on it, you've made it a healthy burger. We did not right? say that. That's what that's what Tony just said. I, you know, we did not say that. This, and not this, frankly, is how things fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. While we created the radio show was to dispel this sort of stuff. You really didn't think I wasn't going to do go there, right? After 17 years, I have no idea where you're going to go. That's you know, that's just wrong. You know exactly where I'm going. Well, we're going off the air in a few minutes, so we we did want to take some time. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I, I want to get this uh, out before we, we uh, go off the air. We have had an extraordinary run of students. Uh, we have had some uh, absolutely incredible student producers of this show uh, over the past 17 years. Uh, some we will never forget. Uh, some we will never forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brandon. <laughs> 
<laughs> the quality varied, but boy, some of them were really good. <laughs> and and we want to and and we and one and one in particular, Asa got Asa us a, got, got us award, our one and only award. Uh, and she was the one that put together a musical uh, journey to Uranus. Uh, I, I was uh, it was it was absolutely wonderful and and. Uh, uh, she many she went to uh, Arizona to pick the ward up. I, it was I, a, I absolutely remember when you brought that show in and sprung it on me, and I'm like, "We're doing what?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I already give my wife a hard time about about musicals in general because I just don't think the world lives in song. Yeah. I just you know that was uh, that was ten years into the show, and and we uh, uh, I just thought we had to do something totally stupid to celebrate being on the air ten years because you remember and, and let's uh, uh, when we're honoring the students, we also Rick wanted to make sure we brought up Charles Compton. Charlie Compton. Good old uh, Charlie Compton. We have had our share of Chucks. Uh, we had uh, the first Charles was Compton, and Compton rode us mercilessly. He felt the show was a disaster from the start. We don't disagree, but... <laughs> well, he, wanted I mean, to he take foresaw the error of our ways. <laughs> he wanted to end the error yeah. early. Yeah. And yeah. so we, we had a panel discussion, <laughs> and the panel discussion, he, he, he managed to get us off the panel discussion format. Well, so thanks wherever you are, Charles, for, uh, for that help for the show. And by the way, we got three voices now, Charles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Two and one. a half. Yeah. Well, well thanks. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Uh, and obviously, Chuck Mraz and uh, Paul Hitchcock have uh, been great. Greg Jenkins and Greg has Jenkins. done a well, actually, job. I, I bet you there are people behind the scenes at the radio station. We just, we've probably never known how much other people do. So, you know, certainly thankful for everybody who's kind of propped us up. And this very brief plea uh, if you are considering what to do with uh, whatever uh, small amount of uh, money you might have left over. Um, keep in mind that it, uh, a public radio station uh, offers the, the chance for people like us to get on the air uh, to uh, uh, make a absolute disaster <laughs> on the airways uh, and, and to keep doing it, it for years. That is very important, and I would not want to uh, end the show without thanking the folks at Morris State Public Radio and, and uh, asking our listeners uh, if you value this type of programming. Now they're going to have to come up with something to replace us. Let me have to pay some money for that. They can thing. get it from Nickelodeon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, these type of shows, I think, are very important to keep our community a community. And uh, this is one thing that Morehead State Public Radio does, I think, as well as anybody. Absolutely. I mean, th- this this station, and, you know, we've participated in live on-air uh, fundraisers. You know, we, we've done everything we can to try to support our regional radio station. And it's so important to the Appalachian region to have this. And they have done uh, all kinds of outreach, whether it be emergency notifications, whether it be keeping the public informed, whether it be keeping the public entertained. You know, some there's just been some great there's great programming here. Yeah, we're going away, which means it's probably all going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to say, you know, when we're talking about this, we we uh, we went to war with the Florida Citrus Commission, and we uh, won because uh, well, I still don't like grapefruit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they did not change our mind. Grapefruit is a very dangerous food if you're uh, on because drug, of yeah. its interaction with a variety of. Uh, of uh, uh, of drugs and also because it tastes nasty. Well, yeah. It, it, and so for those two reasons, and, and we we had no, we just 
aired the fact that it interacts with drugs, and they took offense to that, and that was one of the more fun things we did was to take on Florida grapefruit. Uh, we also, uh, we've, uh, uh, Rick got a tour of, uh, of uh, NASA facilities. No, well, it wasn't NASA facilities. It was the Kennedy Space Center, the visitor center, the tour that they have. Uh, the, 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 there was a, a nice lady that, that gave us, I mean, one of our listeners. Got Larry. Me, Larry. Larry, Larry the engineer. Got us uh, just a marvelous tour of the facility. I mean, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, time down there. We just had a great time. Met a couple of astronauts. Talked about some of the pranks they play. I mean, it was... I can't say it on the air, but it, we had a great time. It was wonderful. Well, Rick, uh, and thanks to Larry, if you're still listening or still around, uh, we we did appreciate your uh, support. Wait, how many listeners have we? I mean, we've had the uh, guy. Who's the guy in California? Bill. Yeah, Bill. I mean, we've talked to Bill many, many times, uh, or had requests from Bill. We've had people all over the world really kind of hit us up, and that's that's kind of the cool thing about this show is is you know it feels very regional, feels kind of small sometimes, but then you see. You get notification from people that are that are kind of tuning in in Japan or they're you know they're in some other country and it's just kind of cool. And I, I will say also thanks to Howie Silberger at uh, uh, at uh, True Talk Internet Radio, uh, a radio station. It's a it's a Jewish talk radio station uh, in uh, Montreal, uh, who has uh, been featuring our show for uh, quite some time. Uh, for for I for God knows what reason. Yahweh knows what reason he's been doing this. It, it, uh, we do very little Jewish uh, talk radio, but uh, my goodness, uh, uh, that that was uh, also uh, yeah, no, unexpected. It, uh, it, it's been uh, there. There's been just some some interesting rides. I mean, some some things. If you look at back at the guests we've had, we've had governors. You know, we've had uh, the president of the of uk at one point before he was the president we we've had i mean we've had all kinds of we've didn't we have the chancellor we had the yes and we, we had, had kentucky joe from survivor who's passed on now but but we had you know we, we've had some just really cool guests and i will never forget the uh researchers at the university of kentucky uh, the deans of uh uk university of louisville kentucky college of osteopathic medicine who dropped by the studio uh to be on the air uh, hey and, and and a shout out to john lamoggi Right, W-U-K-Y, <laughs> W-U-K-Y. They helped us record many, many shows down there. You know, as a as a to get, to help get closer to those researchers you're talking about. Thanks to all of them, and Rick, time well, to wind it down. Uh, Tony, I got to say something. I'm sorry, I'm taking a couple seconds. I appreciate and I'm thankful for everything you've done. You kept this show genuine. I can personally attest to the fact that you've received countless invitations for books. And doing getting this particular piece of content on for some marketing reason, and you've managed to keep that out of all of the show. Everything on the show for 17 years has been as genuine as we could be, and 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 I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Yep, me too. I've learned a lot. I've appreciated the opportunity. All right, we have 40 seconds. Let's do an abbreviated off the air. Special thanks to our Morehead State Public Radio producers, Paul Hitchcock and me. I have been filling in this summer. And to Eric Bilbrey, who wrote our Health Matters theme song. Eric, I haven't met you, but thanks for that dang theme song. And to you, our loyal radio fans, remember to show your support for Health Matters by visiting our digital empire. To listen to the show, go to WMKY.org or visit us on Facebook. Just do a search for HM Radio Show. For our radio crew and the supportive folks at the Northeast AHEC, we didn't thank them. And uh, they've meant a lot to the show. Thanks for listening to our show. And whatever you do, do not take this stuff lying down. Get out this week, make a healthy change in your life, and remember that exercise, weight control, and a sensible diet are still the best thing you can do for your body and your mind. We at Health Matters have enjoyed our time with you over these 900 shows, and we thank the folks at Morehead State Public Radio for allowing us to pollute the airways for 17 years. God bless you. Stay safe and look out for each other during these trying times.
Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org.